0: There's always a disaster that just happened, and there's always a
1: reason to hope. There's always a reason to hope.
2: Welcome back to Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. I'm your host, Helena Martin. Every week, we let you listen in on a casual conversation between two of our professors here at Yale Divinity School. We ask him to talk about one of the readings appointed by the Revised Common Lectionary for this coming Sunday, and hopefully that will spark some insight for your preaching or teaching or reading this week. This episode we have Peter Hawkins, Professor Emeritus of Religion and Literature, and Eric Raymond, Senior Lecturer in Hebrew Language. They're discussing Baruch, Chapter 5, verses 1-9, through which is appointed for Sunday, December 5th. Can you believe we're already talking about December? the second Sunday in Advent. The text is read for you by student Katie Stewart.
3: Baruch, chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Take off the garment of your sorrow and affliction, O Jerusalem, and put on forever the beauty of the glory from God. Put on the robe of the righteousness that comes from God. Put on your head the diadem of the glory of the everlasting. For God will show your splendor everywhere under heaven. For God will give you evermore the name, righteous peace, godly glory. Arise, O Jerusalem, stand upon the height. Look toward the east and see your children gathered from west and east at the word of the Holy One rejoicing that God has remembered them. For they went out from you on foot, led away by their enemies. But God will bring them back to you, carried in glory as on a royal throne. For God has ordered that every high mountain and the everlasting hills be made low and the valleys filled up to make level ground, so that Israel may walk safely in the glory of God. The woods and every fragrant tree have shaded Israel at God's command. For God will lead Israel with joy, in the light of his glory, with the mercy and righteousness that come from him.
0: Boy, this passage, which is so rich and so beautiful, is really a kind of mood swing, isn't it? I mean, it involves a big costume change from the clothing of misery and affliction to the clothing of glory and beauty. It seems to be referring to some kind of major historical event.
1: But, Eric, what is it? Right. So, the first of all, the person of Baruch is the scribe of Jeremiah. And in the... Uh, Typical canon. Of course, we don't have a a book associated with Jeremiah's scribe, but in the wider corpus of apocryphal texts, we do. And this text purports to be by him, by Baruch. And the identification of that author situates this at the time of Jeremiah. So this is supposed to be at the time. Of the Babylonian exile, or just before the Babylonian exile, mm. and is situated in that literary context, but the uh the time when it was actually written is probably much later and likely refers to a historical situation that involves perhaps not the uh, Babylonians themselves, but rather the the Romans or another more recent kingdom so that for israel
0: there's always a disaster that just happened and there's always a reason to hope there's always a reason to hope indeed this personification of jerusalem is interesting to me it seems to be a she it seems to be a woman mm-hmm. is that the case always with the
1: personifications in uh, in the hebrew bible so, not with all personifications, but certainly with uh, cities, the the word for city is feminine, and uh, perhaps because of that, the typical way of personifying and talking about a city is as a woman.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, I I note here the repetition of the word glory over and over and over again. It's the antithesis of affliction and sorrow. It has to do with God, but it's being shared with Jerusalem. And so I wonder if you could help me understand more fully what glory means here. Right.
1: You know, glory uh, in Hebrew is the word kavod and has the sense of honor. Um, It comes from a root that has to do with being uh, important or heavy. and it's thought that the book itself, at least large portions of the book, were actually written in Hebrew, and that would have been, then, the word that underlies the references to glory, at least potentially. It does seem to, to me, it seems to be the the, the word that connects all the different verses, Peter, right? Because it occurs in almost every verse. and. Is associated then with a number of different things in in the Hebrew Bible or in Hebrew literature, but it's here is here associated with uh, with joy, with praise.
0: Eric, is it some is glory, kavod, primarily pertaining to
1: God, and God is sharing it with Israel. I don't think that it's limited to the divine. It is something that is shared both by humans and the divine. Mm -hmm. So it's something that is um, something that it can describe a a human just as much as as the divine. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that it would be characterized as a uh, exclusive component of the deity.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think what strikes me most about this passage coming at it not from an historical basis, but from a literary one, which is my vocation, has to do with these these images of contrast. I mean, the scattering of Jerusalem on the one hand and the gathering of it from east and from west on the other. Or the children of Israel go out into exile on foot, led away by their enemies, but God brings them back, carried in glory as on a royal throne. the even the whole landscape of the ancient near east is led to cooperate so that the mountains and hills are made low and the valleys are raised up it's just a beautiful sense of restoration and I guess that's the
1: point of this passage isn't it yes I think so it does have these nicer uh reversals of things that uh, have been described before and in the book of In the book of Baruch, you know, you have the description of these various events, these traumas. And this is at the end of the book where the exile or the destruction of Jerusalem is being uh, reversed.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: So, you know, as as a single entity, the poem is also expressing that kind of reversal from what has been described previously in the book. In Hebrew, is it a beautiful
0: text the way it appears to me in the new revised standard version
1: of English? In English. Well, we don't have it actually in Hebrew. We have it in, you know, trans, ancient translations in Syriac and in Greek. And in, I, I'm most familiar with it in uh, Syriac. And I think there is is a, a beauty to it And in part, it has to do with the the kind of repetitions of the of the words in in the Syriac, I guess, but reflecting likely the the kind of rhythms and repetitions that would have been in the Hebrew as well, Mm -hmm. since Syriac and Hebrew are relatively close Mm -hmm. in terms of in in linguistic terms. Mm -hmm. So, I think so, but it it's something hard to communicate. I think. And hard to describe, other than to say it has to do with the repetition of particular particular words mm-hmm. and how they resonate throughout the text. Yeah,
0: yeah. I counted six instances of glory in yeah. these nine nine
1: verses. Yeah, yeah. So, in uh, that kind of that kind of linking of verses in. In ancient Semitic poems, is not uncommon, and is one of the ways that poets would have created a uh, coherence within a text. Mm -hmm.
2: Thank you for listening to Chapter, Verse, and Season. Please take a few minutes to subscribe and review the podcast, and to share it with some of your friends who might enjoy it. it. Makes a really big difference for us. For more about Chapter, Verse, and Season, or for more Bible resources in general check out yalebiblestudy.org. Chapter, Verse, and Season is produced by Joel Baden, Kelly Morrissey, and me, Helena Martin. Our theme music is by Calvin Linderman. Thank you, as always, to the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School, and thank you to Professors Hawkins and Raymond for joining us today. We'll be back next week with another conversation from Chapter, Verse, and Season.